Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. Make sure you stay up to date with all of our latest episodes by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you go for your podcasting needs. My name is Max Curtin, Head of Content here at EM360 and your host on today's episode. And on today's episode, I'm being joined by Dan Warner, who's the CEO at LGN. Dan is going to be lending his expertise on all things edge artificial intelligence, particularly its benefit for the enterprise and the tech sector. So Dan, welcome to the show and thanks for coming on today. Oh, Max, great to be here. Thanks very much for having me. It's uh, my pleasure. I'm looking forward to uh, getting into this. You know, AI is a favorite subject matter of mine when we delve into these podcasts. So I'm uh, curious about the edge elements and how that plays into it. But before we get into today's questions, could you mind uh, just giving us a bit of background on yourself and uh, maybe LGN and, and where that name originated from? Yeah, sure. So uh, as you said, uh, my name is Dan Warner, CEO of, of LGN, uh, co-founded along with um, a friend of mine called uh, Vladimir Seprik. Background in kind of everything from computer science, uh, robots, electronics, uh, and then kind of fell into the uh, entrepreneurial trap about 10 years ago and have founded companies in, in, in various spaces since. Uh, LGM was founded um, in 2017 off the back of a, a project that Vlad and I were doing in the, in the defence sector. Um, and the actual, the actual name comes from something that is, is in, in all of our brains. Uh, LGM stands for lateral denticulate nucleus, and it's the part of the brain that connects the visual cortex to the to the retina. Uh, ultimately, it's how the brain decides what it should be paying attention to, uh, what information it already knows, and what information it's curious about. Uh, so, not that we're, not that we're building uh, artificial eyeballs at this stage yet, but it informs a lot of our thinking about how AIs operate in the real world. Excellent stuff. I uh, I love that name. That's a brilliant way to kind of focus on AI and, and show what it can kind of do. To kick off the show, Dan, obviously I said that we're going to be chatting about all things edge artificial intelligence and usual listeners of our show are going to know when we talk about edge computing and edge from a cloud perspective. But can you give us an overview of what edge AI is and what the current landscape looks like? Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, edge AI is, is like a combination of edge computing. So um, you know, any, any kind of form of computers put out to the edge, be that a be that a mobile phone or, or, or whatever, anything that's not necessarily in the cloud. And, and artificial intelligence, as, you, as your listeners will know, is a form of, of being able to make a decision based on information that it has. And so Edge AI is just a combination of those two things. It's where AI uh, specialist software runs on those edge devices. And that the, the new inbound data can typically come from uh, a variety of sensors, you know, be that a camera, or microphone, accelerometer, um, and it makes it makes uh, the decision based on that information directly on the edge, so it doesn't need to phone home. A couple of examples you know, that, that, that will be very familiar: things like Face ID, things like um, those super fun kind of self-parking cars that reverse into those spaces, or even drones that, that that work in an agriculture environment. These are all these are all examples of edge AI. Um, now the industry. Uh, has varying levels of maturity, right? But it's arguably it's very early, even though the buzzword of AI has been around for a long time. The edge AI deployment, or at least successful edge AI deployments, are are early. 
but we're seeing um, extreme appetite to move very quickly in the space. Yeah, 100% agree. It um, has been around, but e- even from my perspective, who who kind of covers this daily, when, when I saw this pop up, I was like, oh, interesting, and, and delved into a bit of research in it. And it's, yeah, fascinating to see this emergence kind of coming into the space for sure. So walk me through just kind of some of the benefits of um, when edge computing and AI coming together for businesses and really the technology industry as a whole. Yeah, so... so- I think I think as, as as we get to that kind of AI at the edge, it allows certainly for businesses and consumers. It allows for uh, decisions to be made in real time at massive scale and and largely autonomously. And so, if you think about that example I gave of of, of a car being able to park itself or your phone unlocking based on on on, a, on an image of your face, like there's already there's already kind of examples of great value that, that's being created but it's not necessarily it's not necessarily everywhere and one of the things that we kind of use as a, as a funny example is translate.google.com was a really cool example of machine learning many many years ago uh, you would go to a website you would put some information in and it would it would translate it back to you in any language or your native language well NJI could be considered like the new headphones that constantly listening to foreign languages around you and they translate it in real time into your native language. This can't happen if it has to uh, kind of phone home all the time because, or, or it can happen, but then it just will kind of lose customer expectations when, you know, you're out of signal or, or whatever. So, so yeah, I think the business, the, the business advances is, is, is massive. It's going to have massive repercussions on, on many industries as a whole. I think so as well. And I think that's um, an interesting analogy that you kind of brought up there in terms of bringing it so it's more current and, and more readily available as kind of people need it. What areas, is there a set industry or a set sector that is kind of leading the charge with this? Or is it kind of everyone's kind of experimenting with different areas of it? That's yeah, a great question. I mean, I mean, I think I think that some areas some areas it's harder to do than others and so that makes it very difficult to compare the levels of maturity there's been a you know a dream of fully autonomous vehicles for you know since the Jetsons on cartoon I don't know how many <laughs> how many of you even remember that cartoon but um you know th- this is not a new idea um and you could argue we're getting closer and closer to that and we're seeing even examples of that in certain parts of the world where that, that's actually slowly turning into a realization healthcare is another industry that will be hugely transformed by 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 this area one could argue that you know the risks that are involved in different industries also make a make a massive impact on how quickly it moves if you think about healthcare and, and defense sectors you know how how likely or how happy are they to necessarily hand over the keys to a system that makes decisions in in real time and fully autonomously versus other industries so so it's it's really difficult to compare what one thing is for sure is that over time a little bit like you know you used to have to connect to the internet in order to do something and now you're just online i mean you're never not online right like i think the same will the same will be said in ai in these industries that um, you hear a lot of a lot of people talking about, oh, I want AI in all of my products, and I want AI to be talked about everywhere. It will go from people pushing that to one day we'll wake up and it will it will just be like that. There will just be AI 
uh, at the edge everywhere that's monitoring our, our traffic light and it's monitoring our how power is distributed to uh, electrical ch- car charging units. Uh, you know, it, the list just goes on. Exactly, yeah. The AI, the, the possibilities are, are endless and... I, I love that analogy where you said it, it. It is like the internet, where it was, you know, the, maybe maybe we're not at the dial-up stage in terms of like where yeah, we're at. Exactly, we're exactly past that. that a little bit. But uh, but now, as you say, it's just kind of it, it's on, it's here. You can't escape it, and it'll, it'll be the same for AI. And I think that's a, a great way of looking at it for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I've got to bring up uh, that, that I saw when we were doing our research here is, you know, LGN recently secured two million in funding. So congratulations on that. That's excellent Thank news. You very much. Um, and the reason that funding came in, from my understanding, is to help organizations bring edge AI out of the lab and into the real world by scaling out resilient edge AI systems. So why is this transition innovation so important and what does it mean for the future of enterprise AI? Yeah, I mean, uh, thank you. And uh, yeah, it was, it's was it been big news and we've had some really fantastic early uh, success and, and, um, and projects with, with customers that really validate what we're trying to do here. I mean, ultimately, there's a, there's a, there's a paradigm shift that needs to happen and that we feel that we, we really want to be, to be driving in, in how an AI model is built and how it's trained. If you, if you build an AI model in a lab, and you expose it to real-world data. Um, for all the data scientists out there, I feel your pain. Um, it doesn't. It, it often fails. It often doesn't work as well as you is expecting. And the best analogy I, I, I can use for it is it's like trying to learn how to ride a bike by exclusively watching YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're gonna fall off when you first get on that bike. Now, I'm sure maybe I'm oversimplifying the, the problem here, but there, there, is a, there is a need to be able to build an AI that is robust enough to function in your, in your customers' environments. There's a need to build an AI that learns faster than it currently does so that it can upskill itself on, on when the environment changes or when uh, anomalies occur. Um, now that's really hard, right? It's hard to do that, and, and we offer a, we offer a set of tools. Is what the company is about in, in, in order to enable companies to do that. They're definitely going to come across challenges, right? Where it's like, well, how how do I get terabytes of data back from the tens of thousands of of deployments I have all across all across the globe or, or the country? And the answer is you don't do that. The answer is is that you you, you spot high value data at the edge. Going all the way back to the beginning about how your how your brain and how your your retinas work of filtering through the more important information to be processed in your brain, we're, we're filtering out the high value data at the edge that that ultimately will either confuse the model or that needs to be included in in updates. Now that allows for a system to be far more robust in in how it deals with real world events. It also helps it to learn significantly faster. Mm-hmm. So, so that transition, it, it's a big jump, right? It's a big jump from this idea of we'll go collect a training data set, we'll build a model in the lab, we'll test it in the lab, it works like a charm, we'll throw it out into the real world and see what happens. In fact, I, I, I would be remiss not to tell a, a terribly nerdy joke right now, but it's, uh, it's, it's the example of um, you know, a quality assurance guy walks into a bar before it's opened and he orders a pint, and he gets a pint, and he orders two pints, 
he gets two points. And then he orders um, six points minus two points plus three points. And he, you know, everything works and it's all great. Um, he approves the bar for opening. And the first customer walks in. They order two beers. And they ask where the toilet is. And the whole pub explodes because no one ever tested for that, right? And it's just like you, you can't. You can't, you can't imagine the amount of weirdnesses that happen in the world. And if you overfit your model, like it, it just doesn't work. You have to be able to learn on, on the fly and learn continuously. So I, I apologize to everyone that cringed at that terrible joke. Um, but yeah, I had to get it in there. It got a pop out of me. I laughed. So uh, I think we're good. <laughs> No, that's that's excellent, and it, it is exciting to kind of see see that element kind of coming in. Um, one element I've obviously got to touch on when we talk about AI is, uh, regardless of what type we're talking about, is the organization implementation side of things. Because as we're all aware, there's organizations who want AI, as you were saying earlier on, and they want AI to do everything, or they want it to do like set amounts, and then we have organizations who say, yeah, we've got AI, and they don't have AI. They, they, <laughs> at the yeah. end of the day, they don't. Um, yeah. So it, it comes down to that element of what do organizations need to be aware of? You know, How should organizations implement and deploy AI? What kind of things should they go, yes, this is good for you, um, instead of the usual, well, I want it, so I'm going to have it, even though they don't necessarily need to benefit from it? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? When you asked that question, it, it really made me smile and go back to the um, the being online or the early days of the internet analogy mm. because when the internet first popped up, you know, people created websites. People created websites for no reason whatsoever because it was, like, cool to have a website, right? Like, yeah. You know, there was just <laughs> there was some ridiculous things out there that had never had any need to exist. And um, eventually we, we worked out how to deliver value um, across across the internet, and we'll do the same with AI, right? Like the I, I, you you see AI toothbrushes and AI this and AI yes. that, and you just think, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's that's the, that's the use of AI that we'll see in the future. Um, now, you know, organisations will will definitely have to work out how they how they create and deliver value th- through AI. But one of the ways that they're undoubtedly going to do that is they have they have to build more robust systems that, that deliver on their customers' expectations. And the environment and the world they'll operate in is brutal. But we we do think that you know when you ask the question how they should be deployed or how they should organise that, we encourage them to expose the models to the real world as quick as they can, as quickly as they can. You know we. We want companies to be able to test themselves and benchmark themselves based on how well it performs in the real world, not not how well it performs in a you know sandboxed environment. And um, with all due credit to some of the amazing companies out there, you know, a, a, a driverless car in a in a beauty beautiful suburb of California where the weather's perfect and the roads are wide, however big of an achievement it is. You know, a rainy day on the back streets of London or, or a summer's day in Mumbai, like the challenge is different. And if you've just trained on one set of data, that is not that's not movable. You have to get out there and you have to you have to be able to build a model in every environment where your customer is going to expect it to work. Otherwise, you're just not delivering value. 
Exactly. And then that's so important at the end of the day, the, the value, the CX experience, there's, there's so many things to consider. And I'm uh, going to use that quote from here to the end of time whenever I speak to people. We'll put that everywhere. Um, okay, then. So I've kind of got one final question to kind of, kind of wrap all of this up. I, we were doing our research, as we said, before we kind of did this. Um, and a couple of other interviews and, and discussions that have been had um, is the connection between edge AI and networked AI. So where do you see this relationship heading in the next few years? And, and why are you such a big advocate for it? Yeah, I mean, we are insanely excited about networked AI. In fact, we see networked AI as the single biggest destructive technology that, that humankind will, will, ever, will ever come across. And I, I, say that, I say that without exaggerating in the slightest. Um, the, the relationship between edge AI and, and networked AI is that as these AIs are, are more robust, as they self-direct based on what they're unsure about, as they form clusters where if a certain area of the world or a certain part of the scene causes confusion that they can zoom into that area or move the drone or move the vehicle so that they get a better understanding of that, that AI will improve itself and it'll improve itself on the scale of, of, how, many of, of how many kind of endpoints there are. Now, when you start to network those AIs together so that a, uh, a, a drone on a crop field can share insights with a rover on the crop field or a tractor that can also share insights with um, satellite data and better predict how that crop's going to grow and, and what it should use to encourage that. And then you compare that with all of the other fields in the world you know, what you end up with is this super AI that is learning and gathering information quicker than humankind as an entire species has ever done before. And that means we'll start to see accelerated improvements in, uh, I re reference agriculture there, but in, in every industry. And yeah, and we, we, we're just incredibly excited about it. And by the way, this is, this is happening, right? Like this is not a, this is not a case of an if or or or, or who. This is a case of kind of when it's it's going to happen. We're going to see AIs uh, as they deploy in the real world kind of spread. We're going to see them get better, um, and we're going to see drastic changes. And 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 we just think that we just think that that's like fundamentally going to change how we interact with the planet and and things we can do. So incredibly excited. We think they're intimately linked. Um, certainly our technology roadmap um, helps companies to go from, you know, early stages today to, to, to the future tomorrow. So, yeah. Can agree more. It's uh, in a very exciting space and to see where it's going and the potential that it has is um, very exciting from my perspective because I get to talk about it and ask people like <laughs> you, like, what's happening? Tell me more. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, have to reconnect again and have another conversation around this networked AI because... There's a lot of areas to go into for sure. And uh, Dan, all I can say is thanks for coming on today's podcast, walking us through Edge AI and uh, giving us your insights. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Max. It's been a real pleasure. Pleasure to have you. And uh, thank you, everyone, who took the time to listen to this episode. We hope you took a lot away. But if you are looking for just a little bit more information on what we've discussed and to learn more about LGN, you can head on over to their website, which is LGN.ai. We'll be back soon with another episode in our EM360 podcast series. Until then, as I said at the start of the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you go for your podcasting needs. Join in the conversation at em 360 Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And if you're just looking for more great daily content, then you can head on over to em360tech.com.